0: Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Today Jesus says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. There are two quotations uh, that this reminds me of. The first quotation is from the great Japanese filmmaker Akira Kurosawa, Uh, he made the film Seven Samurai, which is the most awesome movie in the history of film. (laughs) Someone asked him if there was a common theme tying his films together. His response was, why can't people be happier together? And if you've seen any of his movies, they're pretty violent, and the people in them are not happy. Another quote, which I've heard often, so I can't attribute it to anyone in particular, uh, but it is that man's true sadness is that of not being a saint. So most of our common life is built around notions of happiness. This is largely the point of our economy. Uh, Think about advertising. It's always promising us things to make us happy. But we know it's always false. There's no such thing as true advertising. We know that man is not happy. Uh, We know this from human events. We think about the dreadful wars occurring right now. And we know this from our own interior lives, that we are unhappy. But Jesus talks about happiness today. We've read, of course, the Beatitudes from St. Matthew. Uh, Beatitude from the Latin word beatus, which means happy or blessed. Uh, The Greek word, which the Latins translate as beatus, uh, is, I'm told, the same word uh, which Homer uses to describe the happy and deathless gods Jesus connects happiness though with things which do not seem happy to be more to be poor to mourn to be meek to hunger for justice or righteousness which of course requires that we be dissatisfied with the state of things and yet for, despite that to be merciful which of course means not to seek our own justice from which it follows that one is to be a peacemaker and not a lover of war. Finally, to be persecuted, to be mocked, to be slandered. These are the conditions of being able to rejoice and to be exceeding glad. Everything that Jesus identifies as a condition of happiness is, of course, true of himself, true of his life. He was poor and meek, He mourned, and so on. Jesus shows us that our happiness depends entirely on our relationship to his life, our relationship with him. The only happy life is the Christian life. And the Christian saint is the only truly happy man. So what does it mean to be a saint? Uh, The nice off-the-cuff answer is that a saint is a friend of God. Uh, There's a story, I believe, about St. Catherine of Siena that after a particularly uh, painful uh, episode in her her own spiritual life, a a period of tremendous dryness, uh, she was granted a vision of Jesus. And Jesus said to her to not be discouraged because all of his friends endure these periods of dryness. And her response was, Lord, this is why you have very few friends. (laughs) The friend loves what his friend loves. He acts as his friend would have him act. He does not resent his friendship. He doesn't feel that his friendship in some way hampers him or his own flourishing. Rather, we find that the friendship itself is the cause of joy. The friendship is the cause of that flourishing. Humans are happy in friendship. But how does the man or woman become a friend of God? In only one case has anyone actually been instantly and without struggle brought into God's friendship. And the woman given that immeasurable grace is the one whom we call full of grace. Grace the one who on earth and in heaven loves Jesus more than any of us could because she is his mother. Most of us find that the long and difficult road is the one appointed to us. We begin to love God by learning to hate all that is unlovely, our sins and our attachments to sin, our obedience to the bodily passions, our jealousies and our petty conflicts with each other. And most of us spend all of our lives in the hard school of purgation which is broken by brief holidays of illumination which are subtle but real advances in our knowledge and love of God Jesus commands his followers to be perfect as the heavenly father himself is perfect yet so few Christians do attain perfection in this life we are not without hope for our God is a consuming fire And he will burn away all that is impure and make us fit for him. And to those of us who still die in the way of purgation to the faithful departed, he will grant eternal rest. But we must not be presumptuous still in regard to our own spiritual state in this moment. This is why the church permits us and gives us opportunity to pray for the faithful departed. But the Feast of All Saints is not a commemoration of the faithful departed. Today is a celebration. We celebrate the the church triumphant. We celebrate the countless multitudes of the faithful who in this life triumphed over sin and became friends of God. Each of the saints is a unique masterpiece of God's love, a human person totally transfigured into the image of Jesus Christ. The saints are the church's adornment. The book of Revelation pictures the church as a bride adorned in fine linen, Stating that her wedding garments are the righteous deeds of the saints. Christians have always loved and honored the saints. From the very beginning, we have adorned our houses of worship with images and even with relics of the saints. Of course, there's a bit of pushback against that. Is this too much? it's occasionally suggested that the honor which we give to the saints is a detraction from the honor due to God. We must, of course, be cautious not to treat any fellow creature, even the highest of all the saints, as if she were responsible for our existence or salvation, because we must not artificially imagine a conflict between God and his friends. He is not threatened or lessened by them, He it is who magnifies them. He it is who sets them in the place of honor and delights in their beauty. God loves us. He is a torrent of love. One English saint, Julian of Norwich, was given a vision of our Lord on the cross. And in that vision, she saw his blood flowing and flowing endlessly, flowing from his sacred body and all around into the earth and into hell and into heaven. She called this vision the precious plenty of his abundant blood. We must not sell heaven short. It is not merely a pleasant alternative to hell because it is the kingdom and city of God. In it flow living fountains of rivers. But marvelously, it is a city for us, a city made for the perfect happiness of the human race. God would fill that city with glorified men and women, each of us more radiant and happy than the gods of mythology. The saints have washed their robes in the precious plenty of Jesus's beloved blood. The same blood poured out for us and running out from the sacred chalice into our souls even now we who are weighed down and unable to look up for reason of our sins may participate in that blood. For the cup of the Lord's suffering is the cup of salvation. The sacrificed body is the bread of life. So come poor and meek and hungry to the Eucharist, to the marriage banquet of the Lamb. Adore and receive the King of kings and Lord of lords, as he has attended by the unseen hosts, by angels and archangels, and the whole company of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.